and welcome to the Steam Power Podcast. Chicka 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 chicka. Hello and welcome to the Steam Power Podcast number 67. Seven, yep. For June 14th, 2015. We're coming to you live from beautiful downtown Southern Maryland. We are a bi-weekly podcast that brings you the latest and the greatest in science, technology, engineering, art, math, maker news. We'll do maker news this week, big time, because we went to where? The National Maker Fair. Maker Fair, which was awesome. Yes, Very it was cool. pretty cool. So we'll talk about our thoughts and what we saw there. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, what else? Um, yeah, whatever. I think that's the big story, the big story this week. Then we'll talk about some other news stories. Um, I guess it's just I'm. You forgot to say, say I'm, I'm Mike. Mike. You're Lisa. I'm Lisa. It's time to get steamy. Yay! <laughs> you know, and don't one, deviate from normal, Michael. I know people are used to that, and if I do that, if I <laughs> yes. take away their norm, people get upset at me. As humans, we we need to hear certain things in order to know certain things. So the seat is getting really squeaky. I need to get some WD forty in there. I don't okay. know what. I just thought I would share that. <laughs> it, just, it feels good to share. Um, so, where do we start today or this week? Should we I think up, we should we just maker? start with the Maker Fair. Start with the Maker Fair yes. and then work our way back into the stories. Yes, I think so. You don't think that we'll spend more time and we should just get the stories knocked out real quick? No, I think we should talk about the Maker Fair first. All right. Well, you're the boss. So, so uh, what did you think? Um, of the National Maker Fair that was held in Washington, D.C. this uh, past Friday and Saturday. Share some pictures here. I think all of them have my clothes on still. (laughs) It was very hot out, though. It was very warm. Actually, it wasn't as bad as it has been in uh, recent days, but it was pretty sticky. Pretty sticky. What is that? um, 4-H. Oh, that only shows on your computer. That doesn't show on the other computer. Yeah, that yeah, but they're annoying little bar. They're seeing it. Everybody should be seeing okay. it, I think. I don't know if I'm doing it right or wrong. Yeah, so um, we so last year we did a smaller one up in D.C. area. In Silver Spring, right? In Silver Spring, which is practically where we were at. I mean, yes. Now, was that the, um, like the Maryland that was like a mini maker, maker fair. fair. Yeah. It was like a, just a local, this was actually from what I, I think was the first, actually, this was the really? first national maker fair, um, <clears throat> which was cool about it. Cause there, there was hacker spaces I saw from, uh, Tennessee. Um, uh, that was the, I think that was the furthest one I saw. Um, let me see. Well, Adam said that the speaker he listened to on Friday was from Alaska. Well, that's a little bit further away. Than and Tennessee. she was talking about how she was going to use wearables to do blankets in the pattern of the Aurora Borealis. That's pretty awesome. And he said that she was extremely intelligent. Well, makers usually are. Yes, he said she that's was very, very smart. <laughs> I'm going to rub it off. He said it was very it. interesting. I like this one. Maker's going to make. Maker's going to make. Maker's going to (laughs) make. Haters going to hate. But a maker's going to make. Yep. Um, Yeah, so I liked it because a couple things. 
compared to the other ones, my limited. The experience. last one that we went to, I think the biggest problem was the venue. It was very it was small area. very cramped, and all of the booths were kind of stacked right on top of each other. And the problem that you had with that were when people were at one booth, it was just too crowded at the next booth, and then it just sort of all spilled and ran together. And it was really hard to, the way that they had it all lined up on the street, it was very hard to get in on the sides of the booth and see what they were doing. Whereas this one gave space around each individual booth so that you could really get at the booth from all four sides usually and see what they were doing really well. And and if not all four sides, at least three sides. So there you go, people that organize these things. Space. We need more of it. Yes. Um, So what I liked was there was not just, you know, there was individual makers who had like little businesses set up. There was maker spaces mm-hmm. that were both selling, you know, products and just, and other ones were just showing off. Like the last one just had a lot of people selling stuff. Yes. Whereas this one I just, agree. There was a lot of just demonstrations. Yes. The last one did just have a lot of, I 3d printed this or I laser cut this and I'm going to sell my stuff. You're right. It, it was kind of like a maker garage sale. This one had a lot of government agencies that were yes. back in the makerspace, and there's all actually a lot of private industry too. There, a lot of private industry. Yeah. Mattel was there with Match. I think Mattel owns, yeah, Matchbox or Hot Wheels. God, yes, I, I think Wheels. so. Yes, um, uh, Capital One. Capital One yep. was there, which was interesting because the from the funding aspect, uh, Samsung was there with their uh, Arduino clone called Arctic. That I got to play with a little bit was, and we got free T-shirts from them too. That's cool. Full disclosure. Um, Who else was there that was interesting? Um, NASA was there. Yes. Um, They always do. Um, There were some U.S. U.S. agencies there. Was the uh, uh, aid? U.S. aid. Yeah. The the U.S. Global Development Lab, which was really cool. Which I made a contact there with. Hopefully, we're going to get them on to do an interview one day. Um, that went really well. We'll talk about that in a little bit more detail when we get through um, some other highlights. What was the other things? Who else was there? Uh, a lot of um, companies. Yes, uh, a lot of just, um, I think, were just private little maker spaces or people who were supporting STEM or science and tech and things like that. But everybody there, pretty much everybody had a neat little um, display that you could interact with. I think for the majority of the booths had some sort of internet. A lot of Oculus Rift there. Of, that was a good point. A lot, a lot of, of Oculus, Oculus Rift, Rift yeah. Um, what else? I'm trying to think. A lot of prosthetic things. Yes, a lot of prosthetic, yeah. printed prosthetics. Mm-hmm. Um. There was one company that was I was really interested in. Oh, science, science product, like science kits again. Uh, you know what I I like, and I liked that a lot of the booths were geared to kids, not necessarily for kids. They were for adults too, but they were things that grabbed onto your interests. Like they were things that kids looked at and they said, "Oh, I want to do this." There were, of course, the you know, the matchbox cars with teaching the kinetic and potential energy. There was a big Lego interactive map. Yes. Lego was there. And 
they gave each kid a uh, brick plate and an endless supply of Legos. And then what they did was they had a map of the United States and you went and put your brick plate somewhere over in the United States. And you made one for Green Shoe Garage. Yep. And uh, Haley made one of her, our, our yellow house. The yellow house. And we put them in Michigan because <laughs> Maryland was so very crowded. <laughs> Maryland was very overpopulated in the Lego map. Another, so we just picked another, state. we picked an M state. Yes. That, there, there it is. is. Yep. Yeah. We picked an M state that wasn't too populated and put ours over there. There it is up there. Yeah. The state of Michigan. I think it's Michigan. Maybe it's Wisconsin. I'm not sure, but. It was somewhere close by. Um, I'm trying to think. So, and they also had, um, well, yeah, the okay. There's an interesting one. Starbucks was there with the, uh, well, the yeah, that, that, free. I guess they're thinking makers stay up all night right, and uh, exactly. <laughs> need the uh, caffeine to. Um, oh, they had the uh, Epilogue laser, which I'm going to buy one of these machines one I, day. I know one of. One of uh, Adam's favorite things there were was the Lego Mindstorm robot that was able to do the Rubik's Cube in so many moves. Yes. That was pretty neat. It, was they took a completely mixed up Rubik's Cube, and they had a robot there. And, I mean, it was in less than 20 moves it completed the Rubik's Cube. It was pretty cool. Uh, the Boy Scout troops there, Venturing Cruise. Mm-hmm. Um See if I can find the picture of the one I really liked. I'm gonna to try to get 3D printed car. That's right. There was a completely yes the 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 the, the body. Yes, the body was 3D and printed. And electric vehicle underneath. Mm-hmm. Um. Whoa. <laughs> Where'd that picture again? And those are old pictures. You know what? It's because it's we're still, uh, we're still uploading. Yeah. The ones. So my brother's was, interning this year. <laughs> let me um. Yeah, the, you the, didn't the, show. Um, which one did I not show? Let me see. I think yeah, some of those in the mid. Yeah, I don't recall seeing those. Let's the art. So let me. Um, I'm gonna stop sharing real quick. So boom, boom, boom. Let me fix my camera again. And these nifty little glasses that we're wearing were. Um, got everybody that got walked in got a free pair of Google glasses. That were safety Google, goggles. Google safety goggles. Yes. This is their follow-on <laughs> to Google Glass, I guess. Yes. Um, these Google safety goggles. Better. And you know what? One of one of the things that I thought was a great idea was this guy who took a vending machine, one of those that you put a quarter in, turn the handle, and out comes the little toy Pop. in the little plastic bubble. And... I get it out here. What he did was, you can hold it up. He 3D printed a lot of little toys. He had some skulls. He had little maker bots. Just a bunch of little toys that he 3D printed. And for 50 cents, the kids put the quarters in, turned the handle, and then they each got a little 3D printed toy. And the kids were loving that. Yeah, kids were really loving that. But I thought that was a great idea to make money for his little... Makerspace or whatever it was. I mean, honestly. Yeah, I think it's a pretty cool thing to steal that idea. And yeah. I mean, the kids loved it. And they thought they got something really neat with their little 3D printed toy. If you want to like Apple Pay or Android Pay enabled, that would be cool. So you can sit there and keep, <laughs> keep 
buying Just it. keep trying for the one you want. Um, gosh, I wish I could Let's find see. There were a lot of um, people from different states that were representing different STEM curriculum things. So let's talk about that a little bit. So look, yeah. We, so we talked about the math. Hot Wheels. Cars. Yes, what what Hot Wheels was ultimately doing was they were supporting a curriculum for fourth graders specifically, where they wanted to teach potential and kinetic energy, friction, uh, different things about using angles and stuff like that. And what they're offering is any fourth grade teacher can go on their website and request a free kit from Hot Wheels, and apparently it was like a 10-day curriculum, a two-week curriculum, and I think she said it was just an hour a day that the teacher would teach on this specific, um, you know, like angles and energy and things like that. And I thought it was a good idea, but... I think right now they're having a lot more success in private schools where teachers can actually implement that sort of curriculum because I know, I mean, specifically in Maryland, the way with our curriculum, it is very, um, I don't want to say calculated, but it is, it is, it's very restrictive when it comes to uh, teaching material that isn't part of their original curriculum. And it's not like the fourth grade teacher can just get on their website, say, Oh, this is great information. I'm going to teach this to my students. Now you have to go through the principal and then you have to sort of um, powwow with the other teachers in that grade that are at your school. And you're going to change up a few things about it. And it's, you know, I don't think the way that they wanted it implemented is really um, feasible with a lot of public schools. But it does sound like they're having some success with private schools. And the guy that was there from North Carolina who was um, actively supporting more STEM research and more STEM activities for kids in North Carolina. He had a, what was he selling? Like a boxed curriculum or something. Right. So he was selling like, basically if you remember like science kits of the days of old. Before yes. Like, like a kit before they were like $9 throwaway things at target. You actually bought kits and you would keep them for you know years. He was trying to bring that back and have actually sell some. So like one he was showing off was build your own light bulb. So Made, you know, it came with the glass bottle, came with the cork in it. You got just simple, um, you know, the graphite that you would put in like a mechanical pencil, hooked up some wires, hooked that up to a battery, and, you know, the graphite glows when it's heated um, to show that's, you know, that is what kind of like Edison was doing when he was building the light bulb. And so he was trying to, instead of, you know, these kind of crappy science kits that you can get today from, you know, the big box stores, he's trying to sell, you know, something that's more reliable, uh, um, reliable, sustainable, long-term, mm-hmm. you know, something you invest in. And the nice thing is he was, what they're doing is they're using that, all the proceeds of those kits. He's like, I think he was a teacher. Um, they're doing a couple things. They're putting it back into their local economy, but they're also, because I guess they used to be a tape six when they used to be at like a textile town. They used to like, you know, make clothing. Mm-hmm. 
when that all if that business has gone away, they're you know now they have all these empty factories, so they're looking to try to you know take some of this funding to help redo their city to help attract people that are looking to do like this maker stuff come in and use these now vacant uh, factories. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, like I said before, the Hot Wheels, it's a great idea. It's just public schools, it's going to be hard to implement that stuff. It's They're very strict on what they will and won't and can and can't do with their curriculum. And while I agree completely with them that science is sort of falling by the wayside lately, and I was even talking to the girl at Hot Wheels about that, that, you know, like we have a fourth grader. She, before yesterday, she couldn't tell you what kinetic energy or potential energy was. And they don't teach very hands-on things in science anymore. Not like they used to when we were younger. I mean, I remember doing different little science experiments and stuff in school. But they're not as hands-on with it. Especially at the elementary level, I think. It's like we anymore. Done, like what blows me blows my mind. Yeah, is we've done no science fair projects since we've been in school in elementary school. I vividly remember starting in kindergarten and doing science fair projects, and every year to like like ninth grade doing science fair. Projects. Now, see, I'm not sure about science fair projects. I remember having to. Do, I remember doing a lot of earth sciences in elementary school, specifically a lot with space and things like that. But I don't really remember actually doing personal science fair projects until middle school. No, y'all, y'all country kids. That's not how we rolled. I don't, I don't remember that. I do remember doing hands on science projects in school though. I do remember that in elementary school. And I, I know that they, they don't do that as much anymore. Um, yeah, you would get the the, the the trifold poster. You would do your, your hypothesis. You would do the experiment. You would report out your results. You'd have all your data. You'd go. I see. That was middle school for us. No, so that was starting in kindergarten. Kindergarten. We don't do. I don't, fifth grade. I've been waiting to do a science fair project with my kid. That's almost. We're in fifth grade now. No, they don't. And they just. I think science is one of those subjects where they're thinking. It's not as important as reading and math, which their curriculum is extremely heavy on. Do you think it's just because so much so that the no, it's not the teachers. No, it's not the teachers. All right. No, it's really not. I think there's lots of teachers that would probably love to teach more than what they can. The problem, I think, is the people who are higher up that are making and implementing the curriculum that haven't seen a classroom for a number of years. You think they're not smart enough? No, it's not that they're not smart enough. I think that they're just buying into this whole, our kids are only as good as their standardized test score mentality. And that's really bad because that really shortchanges the students. But coming full circle, that's why we have things like. I mean, honestly, we, I mean, not to sound like a broke ranker here, but. Since the implementation of No Child Left Behind, the curriculum has just gone down, 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 down when it comes to things like science. Honestly. Right, because because how do you how standardize do you, test something? Else? How do you know if a child is being left behind? Well, you test them. Okay, how do you test them? You use these little bubble standardized, fill-in-the-bubble tests, 
And what are the two big subjects, reading and math? Okay, well, that's what we're going to force onto our right. kids heavy-handedly. That's easily testable. Yes, exactly. Math more so than at least math at, you know, public education level, not, you know, where there is literally a right and wrong answer where, okay, yes, four plus four is eight. But yes, that makes it really easy to test that. Did you get eight or did you not get eight? And see, the problem is now they're saying, okay, well, this school is better because these kids have higher standardized tests, which makes the schools only want to strive to get the kids to have better test scores. Then you have salaries getting tied into it. And it's just, it's a big mess, honestly, because, you know, that's, our kids are better than that. They're better than a standardized test score. Which is why we are doing the maker movement and the STEAM education. Yes. We're going to fight back and take our education I mean, back. that's what is so important about the STEM and STEAM movement. And, I mean, especially STEAM because art is another one of those, the arts in general, art, music, um, you know, many All different. Artistic yeah, art forms of art. Even gym, you know, I mean, just things like that that used to be taken for granted. I mean, we had gym, I want to say, every other day when I was in elementary school. And there were some, I know, I think we had it every day. And I know that we had um, different forms of music. And I mean, we just did so many more artsy things. And they celebrated the arts a lot more than they do now. Now it's just sort of relegated to two concerts a year. And that's it. And they don't. You know, not all the kids get to participate like they used to, and it's just—it's uh, really a shame. Well, let's let's uh, let's start with more happy thoughts. <laughs> so that's our piece. On well, it is happy education. because things like the Maker Fair movement, right. the Maker Movement—they're trying to change that. Um, I'm gonna try. There's the uh, 3D printed car. So yeah, I here's thank the. You. The, the uh, electric yes. vehicle and the entire body, the blue, the white part. Are you sharing? Are you sharing the uh, uh, pictures? No, I'm no. My ugly mug. <laughs> I apologize. Let me. I, one of these days, I'm gonna have someone that can do this for me, and just they're gonna be so good. There you go. So there, there's the 3D printed car. Again, the chassis part, the body, the frame, the body work. Obviously, the tires and stuff. Inside is not, but hey, you know what? It's a start. Mm-hmm. Um, the other, all oh, the other big thing that was I saw at like at least probably a dozen booths that were trying to do science projects and teaching kids stuff was the Makey Makey, which I can't put my mouse over because my computer will. But um, if you look right down here by the computer, let's see, here we go. We'll do that. I don't know why it's double, but right there, that little guy right there. A little makey makey board. So basically, um, what is the makey makey? Makey makey board. One end goes into your computer. The other end is basically um, an input and grounds. And basically, you can use it to create buttons with anything in the real world. So like here, they're using pipe cleaners and uh, unbent um, um, paper clips. Another booth had was using play doh. Um, to like again make so basically the idea is take things in the real world that kids touch, play with, 
and use it to send inputs into the computer to control like a video game. Yes, that's what they had a video game actually where you could play Mario using Play-Doh. That was yes. pretty neat. Which I was trying to hunt. Yes, Adam completely game. rocked that. <laughs> so I was impressed like how much how many things I saw with the making making. So that was interesting. Um Yes, they had what did they have? A lot, a lot of, of musical lot of things musical where they products. had like they had yeah. one thing where they had vegetables, yep, vegetables plugged in that played one. a piano, and that was pretty there cool. There was the um, the musical instrument went to where it was uh, the kitchen sink. They had all the different mm-hmm. utensils that made musical sounds. Again, makey makey powered. Um, so I may have to pick one of those up and uh, play with that to see what we can gather out of that lessons learned. Why do people like it so much? I think it's because it's just, so I think it, maybe it makes it easy for kids yeah. to uh, interface with it. Yeah. Instead of having little buttons and switches. Yes, exactly. Other fun things. Um, what else? What else? What else? What else? Um, I talked to, there was, Oh, so the thing I want, I want finally get to the thing that I wanted, was really excited about. Um, not that I don't know if I'll ever, acquire one, but it was cool nonetheless. So there was a company there. So if you're into electronics and making your own circuit boards and soldering your own stuff together, uh, there was a company or I don't know if they were quite a company yet, but um, uh, the plan is to become one. They were doing uh, a pick and place machine. So uh, real quick for those who are not familiar with pick and place machines, they're usually very, very expensive machines, like tens of thousands of dollars where you'll do is you make a design for a circuit, you buy reels and reels of components from like Mauser, DigiKey, and whatnot, and you load up your circuit board design um, into the machine, you put your reels of circuit components into there, and then you get your circuit boards made out, and you put your circuit boards on the table. So you have components, you have your circuit board, PCBs, your printed circuit boards, and then you have, uh, in the computer memory, you have the copy of what your your Thing you're building, and a pick and place machine simply takes goes. It's a, a robot basically that takes the parts and sits it on the circuit board. Takes the parts, puts it on the circuit board, which it's cool if you do it by hand. Um, but you know when you're doing like lots and lots and lots of circuits, it gets a it's a tedious pain in the butt. So the machine um, does it for you, and then all you do when you're done, you go over there, you spray on your um, or paint on your. Uh, um, your solder paste and then you go dump it into your oven and then it melts and now you have completely uh, soldered together circuit board. So the cool thing was, again, because they're these machines are you know, tens of thousands of dollars, they were aiming for a sub $500 one. Uh, Big difference. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's time for Gears of Resistance, so... <laughs> um, we're a week late doing the podcast. We that's so why. Busy. Yes. But, um, so anyway, um, you know, the, my only, the, from they have, it was like they said, they had, they had just got it working this week. Uh, wow. Well, <laughs> they weren't, and it, they didn't actually show it working at the maker fair. Oh, um, okay. again, I mean, I can't, I can't fault them because it's a pain in the butt. Um, especially, you know, you probably had, they probably had this idea like probably like over Christmas break last year. Um, and it just, it's a pain. So I, you know, I give, I don't, I don't discourage cause it wasn't working. My, my concern is with well, why like, okay, I, I, 
you know, we'll talk about the thing I just bought that makes circuit. Yes, I was gonna. I was wondering if you were going, going to, to mention to. your latest purchase. Yes, I will. But so, it hasn't got here yet. Yes, but it's weeks away. It's on the way. But um, my only concern with this is that you know I do very low volume, like prototype level kind of circuit boards. So I'm only making one or two at a time. Um, the value of a pick and place machine is that you do lots of boards at once. What they were demonstrating was only doing one circuit board at a time, which I question then what's the value proposition. If I'm only going to be able to do one board at a time, um, I could do that by hand, you know, granted, not necessarily. Is it more tedious by hand? It's definitely going to be tedious. It's probably going to be. Is it a little more room for error? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Um, and at five hundred dollars, it's it is very much at the borderline. Okay, I wouldn't say it's like a um, not cheap, but it's it's like it's one of those where it, you know be, like if, if you're going to use it, was, it could be considered right. a good investment. It could potentially be an impulse buy for someone that was making you know, if you're like me, like a small business. I could very easily go. Yeah, I'm just going to buy that. You impulse buy? No, um, never. When it comes to certain things. <laughs> So my my hope would be though, um, I like if it could do like three boards at once, that would be awesome. Um, five boards would be then I think it's like no brainer. I I would probably even get one. Um, but would you really have that many instances where you were doing five boards at once? That so I mean it depends. Like right. So the question is, does my business Right now, I'm a prototyper, builder of one-off proofs of concept. If I were to move into doing low-volume manufacturing, like I'm selling like maybe like 20 things a month, you know, if I was had, I I could probably. Mm-hmm. But you're right. Right now, it's not. But my yeah, point and, is, and usually you're some, not for selling something. You're right. doing something I'm for doing a project, right. so you're only doing maybe one or two at the most. But my point but is, I, I like it. I, I like what they're trying to do. I just, I want to just offer some, just, you know, my thoughts as a potential customer would be could you do more? And maybe they were just demonstrating it and only doing one, and maybe it can do. But when I looked at it and was looking at, you know, the size of everything, I'm like, mm, that's that's my only concern is, could I do more at once? That would to me would be, then it would be kind of like yeah, no brainer. I'm, I'm on hmm. board. Anyway, I'll try to get the name of that and put that in the show notes. Yes, I was going to say maybe they will hear your, maybe they will listen to the podcast and hear your concerns and uh, address them. But I've got a, the other thing is I got a couple of good contacts, so we got people to do some interviews coming up. Mm-hmm. Both we got people doing. Uh, Probably a lot of people you'll have on Gears of Resistance, yeah, maybe, right? Gears more yeah, more likely, because there's a lot of guys, there's this uh, group of things that are called Infosys, um, making a lot of cool potential products. They were demonstrating ones for, like, you know, um, a system to let you know where parking is available in the city, like street parking. Don't they have that in some parking garages and stuff? Parking, no, but they want to do, like, they want to blanket. Like street-level parking. Right. They be well, that would be awesome. Um and <laughs> there's lots of times you drive down the street and you're like, gosh, I don't know if I'm going to find a spot. And, right. Yeah. And the other, and the other thing they were building was a, um, and basically you, as you go shopping, you scan your, your part, you think you put in the cart mm-hmm. and then you just pay and you're done. Um, actually giant 
has, has something right. similar to that. Not our giant, but and, and this is what I don't understand. The giant the in the town on the other side of the bridge, which is literally maybe five or ten miles away, has that system. At least they did last time I was in there. And you scan the stuff as it goes in the cart. Then you get up to the register, you scan a barcode, and you pay, and you're done. But the thing is so what's different with theirs? They're building it completely on... Well, I can't say it's open hardware, because it's technically not, I guess. But it's close. So basically, they were using Raspberry Pis. Okay. So basically, they're looking at making it really, really cheap. So they wanted to get... like They want to get... I'm assuming that's the reason that our giant supermarket does not have it is that it's not something that's super cheap and they were probably piloting it in this other giant and to be honest i'm not even sure if the other giant still uses it a lot of people were resistant to it last time i was in there i was they had a thing as soon as you walked in with the scanners by the door and you could see there were maybe two gone (laughs) All the rest were there, and of course, I was one that went, took it, and tried it. And of course, I got up to the register and had a problem with it. Jeez, and, get off my you know, lawn. <laughs> yes, a lot of the people did not want to try it, and you know, I guess a lot of the older people kind of, I just, you know, maybe resistant to yeah. well, I think like having to deal with a computer. But one thing I liked about it was when you scanned something, it told you whether there was a coupon or not for it in the system. Yep. And it automatically brought the coupon up and took it off of your total in your bill before you paid at the register. Right. So you didn't even need the paper coupon. That was awesome. Yeah. Or like and oh like, my gosh, I wish coupons would go to that because that would be, we could all be extreme coupons. It would just be awesome. Wouldn't well, have was, to clip them out of the Sunday paper anymore. And that was where like the, um, the guys that were going with the, uh, I would love that technology. So Love with, it. With their parking garage, the parking space finder thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what they were trying to do is like, you know, how they were smart because they weren't talking just about the technology. They were also looking at um, the business side of it. And mm-hmm. the same thing with the, the scanner, too. I think maybe they had different. See, I would even buy a scanner that was hooked up to Wi-Fi and could download all of the coupons for me on the scanner instead of having to have them printed and cut out. So then when I go into the store, it tells me, okay, you have a coupon for this as soon as I scan it. And then it automatically uses the coupon at checkout for me. I mean, I would buy that. So, so here's the really cool thing like about these guys. So with the, again, the parking place finder, um, mm-hmm. you would think, okay, well, who would buy this? Which should it be the, the people driving in the cars? I bet people Probably. that live in the city would buy it. But they're like, yeah, maybe, but no, because people are resistant to things they don't know. So they're like, no, we don't want to have it sold to the people that are driving cars. Well, it's like, well, then you sell it to the people that own the parking spaces. And it's like, well, yeah, maybe to a degree, but. The, but then what good does that do them if they see somebody's parked in their space? Well, no, what the are point they going to do? Is who bought, they, here's the hardware, right? Someone's going to yes. buy the hardware and have it installed. Okay. So the I point see is what you're how, saying. How did they get their product out? How did they the get market? it out? Yeah. Okay. Well, no, maybe not. What they're thinking about is actually, so it's like, well, you would think, well, okay, if it's not the car driver and it's not the car, the parking spot owner, 
how could there possibly be a third option if those are the two people involved? Yeah, in the but transaction? people don't own parking spaces a yeah, lot of no, times. No, no. Sometimes it's, in it's the city, municipal. maybe. But it's either, well, the point is, it's either municipal. Oh, I, okay. Or private. Okay. But again, regardless of who owns it, someone owns the. Yes, property. the city usually owns the property that people park on. Right for like the ones with the little parking meters, but even that's some of that times that's privatized. So the point is, if it's not those people, and it's not the person driving the car that's looking for the parking spot, who could possibly be a third interested party that would actually want to buy this stuff to have it installed throughout the city? And what they're saying is, and what they're thinking is, is that it's the small businesses that businesses that are along the roads that where people park. So the idea would be, go to Mr. Starbucks. Hey, if we can get people to come into your store. If you offer, like, say, a, you know, because they were just coupons, like, if you offer, you know, a dollar off your next coffee, Ooh. I can help guarantee <laughs> that if you, I can get those people to come in using a, these things. If you help us say, hey, there's parking available in front of my store, um, that, so that's, a, that's. But don't you think people are going to go to the store regardless? Especially Starbucks. I mean, that Starbucks. Coffee drinkers, that's a uh, dedicated crew there. Well, right, but that's just... You know, they're going to find example. parking regardless of but the whether point it's is, there or not. If everyone... So the point is, it's convenient. Like, if everybody... We all know that the pain about trying to find the parking. If I can make it easier, and therefore people have more free time, they can... St- like Instead of driving around trying to find a parking spot, if they know for sure there is a parking spot in front of that... Starbucks mm-hmm. before they have to go into a meeting. Maybe they'll stop and get a coffee instead of spending that extra fifteen. That's true. That's a good point. There is. That's a good point. There is this. Uh, it's not to say that's going to be their final solution, but I'm saying that's what they're. That's a good point. Not, as they explore the technology, they're also thinking alternative businesses too. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay. Anyway, that's it. We should move on because we were. Yes. We should start. Hitting well, we had a lot to talk about with the Maker Fair, I think, and now maybe you talk about. Your uh, purchase for a couple minutes? Yes. Yeah, so, oh, and one last thing. If people from NavAir, NavC was there at Makerspace, and we didn't have a preference. At, at Is that NavC. who had the naval STEM yes, thing set Nav- up? That was NavC. Jerks. Well, see, <laughs> you wouldn't know that by really, I mean, I didn't catch that it was NavC because the poster says naval STEM. Yeah, so you assume it's the nice. Navy as a nice. whole. That would be nice, but it was NavC. NavC did it. Well, where was Navair? I don't know. Navair was I mean, you guys are so airplane. close. That's a that you well, know. That's one thing that surprised Nav-C, me. Navc is technically closer. They are actually in the Navy. Okay, let me tell you one thing that surprised me about the Maker Fair was that there were not more Maryland maker spaces and things that like that. True. There. That interesting. There was. There we are in Washington D.C. There was the D.C. maker spaces. And there were there lots from Virginia. Tennessee. There were there there were quite a few from Virginia. Yeah, well, you're right. There the were quite is. a few. There were things from North Carolina. There were things from other states, and there were a few Maryland. I did see the people. One of the booths from Silver Spring. We did see them. They were the ones where Haley built the sponge robot. Right. And no, that was the. They were from Silver. Yes, but they were from Silver Spring. Right, right, right. But they weren't. Yes, space. they were in a maker space, but they were from the Silver Spring Maker Fair. There were not very many Maryland 
maker booths there. Mm-hmm. And another thing that surprised me that I liked about the Silver Spring Maker Fair was when you got there, they gave everybody a free issue of Make Magazine. That is Where was that? That is kind of Where cool. was that? That was a missed opportunity, Make Magazine. Seriously. I think they have to. I think they're there because technically they own the like the licensing of the name Maker Fairs or whatever. So anyway, yes, but where was the magazine? Where was the swag? I mean, Maybe well, I'm, I'm just saying we, we they could have got a lot did. more people interested in, especially if they were very deliberate about the timing and what content went into the magazine right. with the time of the Maker Fair. They could have. We, that was a huge mismarketing opportunity for them. They could have charged more for ads in that magazine issue of the magazine, knowing it was going to be distributed at the Maker Fair. Technically, we, I mean, technically we went on the second day. So they may have had it. I, I, yeah, but we were there at the very beginning of the second day and I don't think they had it the first day either. All right. Well, so that, I was disappointed in that, so, but gosh, overall it was a, uh, <laughs> overall it was a good experience. One, um, one little magazine thing isn't going to dissuade me that, that bad. Yeah. All right. All right. So here's some things I found and some cool things that, um, since the last time I should probably save this one for open source, but I'll do it again on, on gears resistance. But I found this uh, website called Tindy.com, T-I-N-D-I-E.com. It's a place for people that make open source kind of hardware things. It's a, it's basically, it's like the Amazon for that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, Tindy, Tindy. I haven't used it yet. I've heard good things about it from people that I trust though. Um, but I will do a more in-depth detail once I get to do a little bit more studying on it. I'll do that on Gears of Resistance. Okay. The plug Sounds the good. Term. All right. Let's so tell them what you bought. So um, another thing another to thing. put in the laboratory, in the laboratory. here. So, um, all right. So basically we bought – it's a CNC machine, basically. It's a kit that I'll put together. Don't say we bought. Uh, Green Sugar Eyes bought <laughs> Because um, as as work has been picking up lately, um, yes, for it has. For worse, which is why we missed last week. Yes, it has um, certainly. the The issue I'm having right now is in this transition from being a pastime hobby job to like I'm doing like real no crap like signing contracts and NDA type of work. Um. I needed the ability to make my own circuit boards quickly. Like, and then again, kind of like somewhat prototype, but also potentially for final product. Um, wow. Your chair is really squeaky. It is really squeaky. Isn't it? It's embarrassing. It's getting on my nerves. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to try to not to move. Anymore. My gosh. Um, so X card is a CNC machine that lets you on uh, mill printed circuit board. So you get a piece of copper clad. I'll actually show one. So I bought the smaller guy. Cause again, I, you can do like, you can do wood and plastics and big things, but I'm doing little PCBs, So I went with the smaller guy. Um, but where is some of the projects? And they had one of those at the maker fair. Yes. And I got to look at it and it seems like it was a smart buy that at this point doesn't really matter. Cause uh, it does metals. So the idea is, 
unlike a 3D printer, which I use to make parts for like either enclosures for projects or if like I've got something that I need to couple to a servo motor um, or certain parts, I use the 3D printer for the making things um, that way. I may use it for other things like making wood enclosures and the things, but right now the purpose is to do, um, let me see here. Where is it? Let's go to the all projects. Um, circuit boards. Where is it? At? It was right on there. I had it just a minute ago. Hello. Ho, ho. It was called an Arduino. Someone made an Arduino. Um, did I save it somewhere else? Be curious. Awards plaque. Signs. Uh, oh, you got to be kidding me. They took it off. Let me see if I can search real quick. Um, it's actually good for people that don't know what a CNC machine is. It's computer numerically controlled. I think is what CNC stands for. Basically, Imagine, you know, a piece of graph paper, you got an X and Y coordinate. Um, and then you lay down a piece of material and you, you take an image, say, like if I took a picture of my face and made it black and white, I would tell my computer, basically, if I have a piece of wood, anywhere where you see, um, uh, let's say, black, cut it out and leave it where there's white on the image, leave it. So when you're done, you have like basically a carved out, an etched image, out an thing. Etched out okay. Thing above. This is irking my nerves. I can't see. Arduino. Well, your chair is irking my nerves. Well, we're all <laughs> we all miserable today. Um, God, it is really bad, isn't it? It is terrible. Embarrassing. Nano. There it is. Arduino Nano Ring Sync 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 Synchronizer. CMPU thirty eight modulator. There it is. I don't know why it's not on the... Okay, why is it not on the project? What will page? you carve? So basically, here, is. here is what I, why I bought this machine. is You buy, and the copper is really cheap. Um, and basically, you can kind of see in here is that the little drill... And it's basically, it's a drill. It's a little, like a little router that basically your computer controls based on whatever file you give it. So you take... You design your board in Eagle. You export it as a SVG file, which is like standard vector graphics, I think. Single vector graphics. Um, so basically, again, it's a black and white image, and it basically says, okay, if I see black, that's where I'm going to sit the drill bit down and carve away. And so what you do is you're basically making the traces for your circuit. So now this guy here... He's not electrically conductive to everything else. He only conducts along this little path. So your buttons, your resistors, your LEDs, um, you make your own circuit board without having to go to a fab. Here's a really, you can actually see it underneath the Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, So these conductors now only conduct, like the current only flows within these pathways. So does it just etch out the little... Lines, right? So, and then you put in you, something to make it conduct. Is that how no, that works? So, no. So, if you just took the piece of the copper, it would be all conductive, right? Okay. Copper yes. Gonna, what you're basically doing is by drilling out, you're removing the copper at certain places. Mm-hmm. So basically, you're now you're narrowing. You're down directing the, the conductivity. Directing, is exactly. okay. 
Um, then you still, I mean, so you you then still have to take it and drill the holes to put those parts in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you still have to solder it. But which is what you have the reflowster for, right? Which is why I bought right? the reflowster. Mm-hmm. But this guy here, um, you know, what I would do right now is I would make my design, send it to, say, like, Oshpark. And two, three weeks later, if I pay extra, no, two weeks, if you even with, I guess, even with, the normal pay, I would get three circuit boards back for like say thirty or forty dollars. Okay. Um, and it's 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 like it's like a couple bucks per square inch is how they price it. The problem is, I'm gonna I'm buying three circuit. You minimal is three circuit boards though. If I made a mistake in my design, yeah, then you have three I've wasted got three circuit, wasted boards. circuit yeah. boards. Whereas here, yeah, you're paying a couple bucks up front to get it. But you can just go print another but one. But as soon as I'm done and yeah. I find it, I print out my another one. And then, you know, granted, you're not making very pretty-looking printed circuit boards. Um, I think but it just pre- matters that they work. I think they're pretty. Well, in my case, I think they work, and they ha- and they are pretty together. But the point is, if you're really if you're really interested though about making really beautiful PCBs, what you can do is basically get it, figure out that you've got it working here. Then, when you know your design follows is correct, then you can send that to Osh Park and get the prettier looking, you know, the green or the purple or different color PCBs. Yeah. But then at least you're not wasting money. On Why couldn't you do that with this machine? Why couldn't you print with green or purple? Or don't they make that kind of colored board? No. 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 Let me let me take it back. I don't know for sure, but the idea is. That's the so what they would normally do. Um, you have to imagine that when they're done with the circuit board, there's like a coating that there's a green coating on top mm-hmm. of that. Um, so my question would be: Could maybe if you're done, could you paint over it? Will that affect it? I don't know. Hmm. Um, the, but the point is, so you can't just buy them green and then etch it out. I don't know would be my best answer. Okay. I, I've never seen it, but that doesn't mean it's not possible. Hmm. Um, it could be because if, right. So if you go down, if you, if I remove the, if I, re, if, if there's, if it's a color green on top. If you just remove it down to the copper, why right. wouldn't it work? Well, that, so that's not so much the issue. When I say pretty circuit boards, well, the, the other thing you're, you're not going to get on this is you're not they they write on it, right? They draw, like they label each pin. So when you look at a real circuit board, right? Oh, okay. It has the little A thirteen and yeah. Wording. Yes, yes. You're not gonna get that. You're not gonna get the writing on it. Why couldn't you etch out the writing? I guess you could. I guess you really you could. I don't know. I guess the problem is like so long as it didn't affect your design. How why couldn't small you? could you do the writing? Yeah. Yeah, that's probably true. I don't know yet. I haven't got it here. It okay. takes three or four weeks. I'm what just I, asking. These are just I'm going to get it in three or four weeks. That, it's going to take me three or four weeks to figure out why I can't put it together right. <laughs> Finally get it that's working. That's true. Uh, I'll tell you, like, basically the end of summer. This is just inquiring minds want to know. So anyway, we let's that that's the thing. 
uh, it's uh, the X card from Inventables. Did I even say that? Did I ever even mention the name? I'm not sure if you did. I you showed a so picture excited. of it. I I didn't even. So anyway, you did show a picture of it. The poor people who are just listening to this are probably like, "What, what the, the heck is he talking about?" Uh, so Inventables.com and look for the X card. Um, that's going to real. I I got a couple projects coming up for some clients, and I just I I had to do something. Had to pull the trigger, huh? All right, story time. All right, we'll try not to tarry on these too long since we've spent so long talking about the maker fair and stuff. Yep, gold nanoparticles could help humans regenerate limbs just like salamanders. Hmm. What do you think about that? Well, okay, the, right, hold on, hold on, go back up. Scroll up. back, no, 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 I mean back down, down. I guess. Yes, down. down go back up, down up, again. Down. Okay, that last sentence, the fact that salamanders can regenerate limbs and have the cellular circuitry to make it happen means that one day humans may be able to do the same. I mean, they're grasping at straws there, I think. Honestly, I mean, are they saying just because this animal can do it and we're humans and we're animals that maybe we can do it? Is that what they're saying? No, they're saying that basically, well, yeah, so part of it's saying that. So they're saying because they are an animal and they have the capability to do that, maybe we can recreate that capability in a human. Well, what they're saying is that because all life evolved from a common thing that perhaps regenerative. Yes, well, that's what I was trying to say. Yes. Hidden. You know, that's that's what I was trying to say. Was what were they comparing salamanders and humans as one? Okay, we these two things came from the same basic thing way down the evolution chain. So maybe so we think, can what yeah. one does, the other can do. I mean, that's kind of grasping at straws. Well, no. So part of it's like we we all know that stem cells can be used can be nurtured or poked to to develop into whatever kind of cell you want right yes the beauty of stem cells but the problem with when when you introduce tissue like foreign tissue especially into the human body is the body tends to reject well, and that's it. the start of this the gold nanoparticles is that that does that make it less likely right. for the body to reject it so what the research is that this kind of stuff would help the tissue not reject get rejected okay. by the immune system um, so basically, they're saying by integrating nanotechnology and biology with basically our research. So one day cells, I'll really be worth a million bucks. You might, if <laughs> gold continues or doesn't ever. With all the gold in me. I mean, it's just one of those things where you know. It, it just it's one of those things where I kind of um, you know, like in dentistry, for example. You know how it used to be common that they used gold to replace a tooth or something like that because the body didn't seem to reject it as much, but they've gone away from that. So it seems sort of unlikely why they're, yes. So is this something insurance is likely to cover? I mean, with the price of gold right now, it's kind of, you know, we can't even get them to cover very basic things. Well, I mean, let's hope that we would never have a problem. It's interesting that, and this is at Northeastern uh, universities. The point is, okay, if there's one animal that does this naturally in 
Yes, that, that's what that's what that last sentence right. was to me, was that they were saying, okay, there's one animal out of all the species of animals that does this, so can we compare well, apples to oranges and say, well, because one does it, the other may be able well, to I mean, do it. There's, but it's not, they're not the only species that regenerates. Like, a lot of... Um, a lot um, of cold-blooded lizards. animals. Like, like, like tails get regenerated. Except that their cold-blooded animals are a little different from... I'm not a biologist. Warm-blooded animals. I'm not a biologist. I'm not going to argue with one or the <laughs> other. But my point is simply this: if it's pop, if if fundamentally we're all DNA based, right? Yes. We all share the same DNA structure. We just have it wired together differently. And please, if you're a biologist person out there, and I'm massacring this, you can write. Let them know. Let yeah. them know. You can make me feel bad. The point is, at the end of the day, is it's all was it A G C T the, the the you know. So if one species can do it. You know, down the line, can another very low end that you know? I'm thinking like a stack of software. If I'm, if I'm yes. at the very low end of that stack, at the very lowest levels of the DNA biology computer stuff, that that's my own term there. Um, I don't know. It means it seems like well, yeah. I mean, it would be it would be different. Like if there was no species on Earth that we ever saw that regenerated. See, brains. I'm not so sure that we're gonna. Uh, you know, and science, especially medical science, has came a long way in recent years. And, you know, that's not saying down the line we may not be able to do this, but why not be able to use the gold particles to help attach a limb that the body doesn't reject instead of using them to regenerate a limb? Hey. It's northeastern. Uh, they're a little bit more reputable than Joe Blow night. Because I mean, there are aren't there issues with trying to attach a limb to the body, like a real work. That's why they use prosthetics. Oh, well, that's so. Yeah, because we. But the point is, yeah, we've used prosthetics thus far because we didn't. Know wouldn't how to it be able to, to regenerate? To um, wouldn't it be easier to? I don't know what I'm trying to say, but to sort of create a limb that was more you're saying create, human, the, create the limb and then attach it to the body. I would think, see, I would think the other way would be, that would be harder to me. Really, forcing the body to naturally regrow. Like think about it: if you get cut, your skin naturally grows back. Yes. So, so in some ways, we already do regenerate. You know, if I give myself a cut, like the doctor, like the doctor <laughs> I, I regenerate my skin. To a degree, so to a degree, we do regenerate. And Doctor thing, like, who? My hair. If I get a haircut, and I know biologists out there are probably like sticking a freaking pickaxe <laughs> like, or ice thing in No, I'm but, sure what I just said about making a limb. They're probably like, oh my gosh, like my hair grows back. So the bot. The point is, my body grows things continuously. Well, haven't there been? Um, haven't there been, uh, I don't want to say reports, but like, haven't there been instances where people who have lost, like, say, an ear, where part of the ear has grown back? I don't know. I would have to. I, th- I think I recall reading that somewhere, well, maybe, but like, I would have to read like, that again. But it's the alien human hybrids. I think I, I recall reading somewhere where somebody lost near like and it wasn't the entire ear that grew back it wasn't like that but just there were parts of it that did sort of regenerate i'm gonna take your word for it 
Oh, don't take my <laughs> I'm just as a uh, bio clueless as you. So All right, let's move All on. All right, yes. Tell me about Woo! Uh, competition. I love competition. You know me, I am a big believer of competition and this has been a long time coming, I think. Oh no doubt. I mean it, it's I mean it's sort of like one of those duh things. Well it's like a duh what really I say here's let's say Lego Minecraft no, was not, built oh, this is an old story because from like, the Lego model in my mind. So, I mean, it's sort of like the other way around for me. It was that well, Minecraft used the Lego model to build their so let me, software and things that like that. People are just Yes, that's true. Well, you just screwed them all up with the X-Carve, so. Well, yeah, but anyway, so Lego launched a competitor to Minecraft called Lego Worlds. Um, we it's it's not it, the website we had said appears to be. We already I know for a fact they do because we've already bought it and downloaded it. <laughs> so uh, it's one Steam for Windows only, and, and it's big. How, it's not it's not final product yet. How does hard. our daughter like it compared to Minecraft? I because I, I'll be honest, I have not seen her play it. Yeah. So here's the thing. I played and again. It's very now, early beta. Lego did have a. Lego website Universe. before Minecraft, BM. There was Lego BM. Universe, <laughs> there was Leg and oh my gosh, she loved that game. So we have she just loved the it. world. We have gone to climb from the universe to just a world now. Um, downgrading, so, downgraded. So Lego <laughs> Universe was much more like World of Warcraft. It's more of a task related right. game. It was World yes. of Warcraft meets Lego, and she enjoys that. All right, because she plays Guild Wars. Now, she likes Minecraft, but she likes the servers where there are tasks. tasks there are games. Right. There are things to do. That's why she She's not much on just building. Right. That's why she likes Guild Now, her friend is the opposite. Her friend likes Minecraft, and she just loves to build this stuff. This is very she much... She would probably like this. This No, so Lego World is very much Minecraft meets Lego. I played it, and my, my issue is it is... So much like playing with real Legos, but to try to play, imagine trying to play with Legos by pointing and clicking. Um, so it's like placing a block is a little difficult sometimes. It's just, it, you don't see with Minecraft, have, you just click and the blocks just, just go together. Right. Where this, here does this actually? You degrees. have to you have to line it up with the actual. Yes. And that's difficult. That's very difficult to do with a mouse. A computer, mouse, yeah. A mouse and keyboard. Um. That and there, it, it it seems like they said we're going to take Minecraft and we're going to take it to the next level, and I think in doing so they've made it more complicated than it needs to be. Like yeah, and that's terrains, unfortunate. Like building terrains is very like Minecraft. Everything is just Minecraft. Everything seamless is just a square block. Yeah, and it's it's just seamless too. You just click, and it either disappears or builds on top of right. each other. It's very here. You know, you are really trying to. They are really trying to make it like you have an unlimited supply of of Legos. So has somebody already bought this and created the uh, Death Star out of Lego? See, that's the thing. So right now, right now. <laughs> so again, I'm, again, I'm, I I hate to criticize when it's a beta product, but right now there's no multiplayer. No, um, so you are. That's a playing, big downer for our daughter. Right, you're you're playing alone. Um, they, in some of the videos they show, I mean, it's it's cool because, well, and it could it could go both ways. It's cool and maybe not cool. Um, 
Yes, there are, there are parents that don't well, like the multiplayer the aspect of games. But no, the other aspects is that there's kits. Like, so the, the future will be, whereas with Minecraft, you have every block available. Let me guess, you have to buy all the different kits? With Lego, the uh, wah, you'll, wah, you'll wah. get a certain set to start with. But like I can imagine, like they'll eventually sell the Lego. If like you want the Star Wars X-wing fighter in the game, you are gonna have to buy the kit. Yeah. See, with that. Minecraft, it's all it's more right that, program based, where you can go that route. You can just issue. have all. And remember, Minecraft, you could download different schematics for it and stuff like that. That you know, like Haley had Candyland. Minecraft right. and I don't that know, was all free. Right, and I don't know how friendly they're going to be to hacking. Like very much Minecraft, the appeal, as you point out, is that it's very hackable. yes, it's very hackable. But the kids like and all the different hackers. aspects that comes out of that. Mine, see, Even if the kid can't do it theirself, like Haley right. isn't into hacking herself, but, see, but she loves some right. of the stuff other people have created. With but and so and let me in their defense. So Lego, Lego being. A multi-billion-dollar. Well, they have an right? image. They don't want people right. to just hack. Whereas Minecraft, before they were bought by Microsoft, was just a dude in Finland, Denmark, Sweden. Yes, actually, right? I read an article about him. Yes, so, yeah, somewhere in whereas the. Whereas uh, he was given a lot more leeway, there? I I would think. Like, because let's face it, there's a lot of foul language. Well, he just made it so. Oh my gosh, yes, yes. Where we if, have had to deal with that. If yes. you remember Lego Universe, Lego Universe touted how well they were to. To preventing that kind of harassment yes. of children. So my thinking is, if mine, if Lego had unleashed a mine, like if they had unleashed Minecraft, they would have gotten a lot more backlash from parents groups saying, "I can't believe." Except Lego it's one thing is letting my kids see these foul language words. It's one thing to let them hack the images of the game, and it's another thing to police the chat room. Right. Well, that's, that's for two a, very different. And thing it's chat, like apples and oranges right. there, and I like a chat room that's just text. This is a virtual world, so it's a little bit harder. Um, so you know, I mean, you can ban certain Lego words, yes, and Minecraft challenge. does not do good at banning words uh, at all. There, I mean, you that's know, unfortunately, post Microsoft acquisition, will that change? Unfortunately, our ten-year-old daughter, through Minecraft and things, has learned Bad every word. curse word in the book. And you know, thankfully, she is a good, again, respectful child. She knows not to say them, but she does recognize them. And she charity. just, you know, I mean, what else can you do? Your kid's going to hear and see those words. You just right. have to let them know they're not appropriate and they are not to use them. So the other cool thing, though, about LEGO Worlds that is potentially um, could be enough to, to sway um, vehicles. So you can actually use vehicles in... Okay. Which you do, I mean, Minecraft... Minecraft, you're you, just running, right? Or, or you can ride a horse. Okay. Or a pig. And, well, and there's a boat, <laughs> and you can ride the pig, and there's a, there's a little rowboat. Yes. Um, but, so LEGO, you can actually build a car and use it or whatever. Right, and drive around. There's planes, okay. you can fly. Um, that's pretty cool, but I'm not sure if that's cool enough to, uh, right. the get one, the kid, the you know, that, their biggest drawback is going to be the financial side of this, I think, because where Minecraft, it's it's just a one time pay right. and play. And then you're open to all of the different you know, aspects so, of the game, right. whether and you want to do hackable or not, not or whatever. And it's not it's, centralized. So you yes. don't go through 
Minecraft official servers to find. You just log into that guy's Minecraft server. Yes. Um, which again, there's and you can do searches and find different servers, right. and you know that's which certain parents. But see, here's the thing: but like, you have all the building options available to you through different hacks and different right. things, and you don't have to pay for them. But see, here's the thing: like we, I normally I would say, well, well, certain parents were not going to be uh, used to or accustomed to this; they were going to prefer the Lego model. But the reality is. I can't think of any kid that has not at least played Minecraft. <laughs> um, and uh, yes, most kids know definitely what it Post, post nanny state, post you know overly nurturing video game. But in Minecraft, you can turn the chat off. You can turn the chat off. Yes. And you know, parents can say you can't play on the you know oh, multiplayer the, the biggest, things, right. and, and the biggest thing I you can know tell they could just is, build their own stuff and. Put the computer in a room where you can sit there and watch it with them. I mean, you don't have to watch like like a hawk and just sit there and watch. But like for me, I think it's funny we say that as our daughter sits in her bedroom over there and plays her computer where we can't see what she's doing. But again, doing. again, we've, <laughs> we trust her we, though. Yes, we. we and and it's funny years, to say about a ten year old, but she has been using a computer since she was very little. Very little. And over the years, we have worked with her, told her what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. You know, She's I only mean, she's gotten her own computer in the last couple of weeks. Yes. So it's not like we are four years old here. Yeah, no, it, it definitely wasn't years, like so. that. She was in the room with you playing right. where, and you I know, you could. I watch and I explained to her. Yes. Things. And there were times I looked on Minecraft and I said, honey, you have to turn the chat off because right. there are obviously teenagers in here who are. So, saying some very right. bad things. So, la- so, so to to kind of put a, this one. So, yeah, I can see where some parents may. I think some parents were going to prefer this. See, except, is the child going to really prefer it if gonna, it's that hard to put the blocks on each I other? Admit, I mean, again, I found it difficult to use because this seems to be geared more towards older children. And I think that may be another area where they kind of messed up. If they had geared this towards younger children. And made it easier to use. Right. Don't you think they would have been more well, successful? Thing, like, because be a like, lot of parents aren't as apt to let their five-year-old or four-year-old play Minecraft, but to let their four or five-year-old play Lego Worlds. Right. If it was easier to use, I can see a lot of parents. I mean, and ourselves included, and we I would think, have let Haley I, play I this, whereas be, we wouldn't have let her play Minecraft. I'm at that hoping age. as they learn, as they do their development on this, that there's maybe there's like. There's like the the, the the really easy version that's just really just like plug and play with like really big blocks. Mm-hmm. And then like Duplo. Right. Like then, the little kids' Legos. Right. They could have Duplo worlds. Version. Yeah. Um, and then there's. Or they the could kids, have Lego but, world girls or whatever it is. For the kids now that might really take off. The, gir- the Lego girls brand that they have off, that they have out. Where they have all the girly Legos right. and the el- fairies and the elves, that has really taken off yep. with the. And I think girls, especially even older girls, would enjoy that kind of if they had a multiplayer thing where the girls could come and chat and you know build their little high school and their middle schools and their swimming pools oh, and. I, you know, that may take off a little more than just plain old Lego worlds. Right. I, I think maybe they have to specialize it a little bit, cater to little kids. 
you know, cater to the girls. All right, let's go on something else. Instead of peace with Legos, IKEA is building a super cheap and versatile (laughs) smart home system. IKEA and super cheap in the same sentence says everybody. (laughs) IKEA does everything super cheap. Well, I mean, relative speaking, I mean, the issue historically, like, yes, you can buy um, a three hundred. I mean, IKEA and cheap are just synonymous with each other. But they don't necessarily last. Like no, that's true. Being a military family for a long time, the stuff that we bought from IKEA hasn't. Yeah, it it doesn't last, but. Now, when you move four or five times, that yeah. happens, the stuff. So so basically the idea is, long story short. But it was cheap enough that we could replace it and not right. feel guilty, too. Right. I mean, that, and when you have little kids, sometimes you don't want super nice furniture because you're going to get crayons on it. You're going to get stuff spilled on it. You're going to get dents in it. And... So, so basically what they've launched right now, at least, is a light, basically a smart light bulb. I okay. wouldn't say smart. A remote, I would say a remote-controlled light bulb. That can be both controlled by a little remote that you get, or with an app you can put on the phone, your your looks like iPhone. I don't know if they have Android and iPhone. Okay. Um, leave it to IKEA to just go for the iPhone and leave Android out. So <laughs> yeah, well, it's IKEA. It's that's kind of in their vein. So my only issue, so a couple issues. I mean, even in their images, it's only iPhones. So, mm. so yeah. So the idea is that. They're building a light bulb that you screw it into your outlet, and all the smarts is already inside the is inside the um, the inside the light bulb. Mm-hmm. All the wireless internet, so your app just sits sits there and looks for those. Um, and you can just turn them on and off. I guess it's, there's something called light steering. I guess you can kind of like I don't know if it, I don't think it's like Philips Hue bulbs, but there's different colors. I think it's just. I think it's like warm, bright, cool is like your really your own three settings. Um, my only thing is the, the 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 maybe it's not IKEA, but maybe it's the comp the this article. It says super cheap, versatile, smart home system. Well, light bulbs is not the only thing that makes up a home. Yes, that's. I mean, when you think of home automation, it's not I'm just thinking, light bulbs. Right, I'm thinking like my doors. So I can, check make my doors the thermostat the the, uh, yeah appliances yeah so is this my question is is this the start yeah maybe this is just the start of a long line of products i'm thinking for home automation i mean right now the biggest problem maybe they're going to see how the light bulb takes off and how people take to it and then release future products down the way that's the right Thing to take or not? So here's the issue. Do you think they should just just lay everything out there? Because and... here's the, right exactly because the issue is okay, you don't want to piecemeal it, right? Right. If I buy a Philips Hue light bulb, I got to download the Philips Hue app, and then if I buy this thing, I buy another company's like garage door opener. I got to download and use their app. Now, if you're really nerdy, there's a website called If This Then That where you can set up like recipes that if I press this button and this thing and automatically do this thing, but the average homeowner doesn't want to deal with No, they don't right want to now. deal with that. They want a single app that is called My Home that they get in and they Yes, and they press one thing does light bulbs, one thing right. does garage door. That has been one thing turns thermostat down. With home yeah. automation. Because home automation is not like this new thing. It's been 20, 30 years. Yeah, I, I mean, I can recall hearing about it. Been promised even for like 50, 60 years. Ways away. I mean, X10 has been around, I think, since the late 70s, early 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the problem is, again, it's just, it, think about all the things that make up a house, faucets, doors, locks, garage door. I mean, all those things, right? There's so many vendors who make that stuff that there is no, there's never been for whatever reason. And I think it's just because no people as humans, we can't get along and agree, but no one has been said there's, here's one standard that anything that speaks this language will be able to do home automation. No, these guys have their version of home automation software. These guys have their version and nobody and none wants to talk together, which in the end, not only screws over the customers, consumers, because we have to have all these piecemeal solutions, mm-hmm. but then it actually screws the companies because think about it. There, we, there are very few, actually what I would say smart homes in the country. The ones that are, are people that are very affluent that have their house built with the technology built in and they yes. go with one vendor. They yes. Do I don't care. I just want the best. And then that's all they do. They buy the one vendor. That's not going to work. That, that doesn't scale at the mass market level. You need competition. You need people to be able to go buy. And you need something for an already built home right. to be able to add to their house. And they need to be able to buy, if they buy the, so they have to buy company, it. Yeah. They buy the door lock from another company. Both have to be able to work, even though they weren't bought by the same company. And but don't you don't think is, that the companies are just too greedy to collaborate right, with each is, other? I, and I agree, but the problem is that a yes, it screws people over, but they don't tide, care. A rising tide lifts all ships. My point is, if they got together and they agreed, people would be more likely to buy products than knowing that they could all work together. I don't think there's enough consumers on the home automation boat yet, though. Right, and I think this is again a generational thing we'll take care of. Is that as the Gen Y millennials and our daughters as they move on, and they're they're going to be accustomed to everything. If I can't, I don't understand why I can't. I have my iPhone or my Android. I can pay for my, I can pay for stuff at the store with Apple Pay. I can use it to get on the transit systems. I can do all this stuff. What do you mean I can't control my house from it? I think well, they will be the generation. To can't use it to get on the transit systems yet. Not in DC. Not in DC. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, Did not know that. There you go. Lesson learned. So anyway. Well, I want to be able to open the garage door with my phone. So because the garage door opener never works half the time. IKEA, cool. (laughs) I hope it's more than just light bulbs. Um, Yeah, hopefully it will be. And hopefully, if nothing else. It will help the market to have some competition and maybe drive to a standard. And you know the thing that that. I worry about with Ikea a little bit is what you alluded to earlier when you said their stuff doesn't last. So when you're doing home automation, you don't want something that's going to tear up on you in two or three years. You know, you want a long lasting solution. So LED light bulbs is the promise is it's going to last. That worries me with Ikea a little bit is how sturdy the stuff's going to be that they come out with. I'm not sure I would go with Ikea. You know, it's well, like just because it's cheapest, I'm not sure if I would go with that with home automation. We'll see how cheap it really is. Anyway, yeah, that's true. I'm sure I'll pick one up when it comes out and we'll play Just it to see. see, yeah. Next story, ScienceDaily.com. Do newborns delivered by C-section face higher risk of chronic health problems later in life? And I think poses that... IU. I think that they do, actually. So the idea is... I've done lots of the story was, research on this. When you are born, 
as, as a as a little baby infant as you come as you leaf through your mother's vagina, that the secretions in that part of the body coat you and give you certain immuno immune system properties that yes. whereas you if you're cut through the abdomen and removed through the that you're, you're two things. You're not you're not you're not in contact to that. with the yeah. with the vaginal secretions. Nor but and you're also passing through the abdomen crap literally. Stuff. And 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 um, see the thing is and when you're when you're born through vaginal delivery, it squeezes the baby some too, and that is actually, I think, good for things like the lungs and right. stuff like that. Whereas when you're born uh, via C-section, you're just taken out of the... Uh, you're not... You're just taken right out of the, the cradle of the... Yeah, the, I'm having a big brain fart right now, but... So anyway... Yes, you're just taken out of the stomach, so... so. We So we were... Our daughter was... She was delivered C-section, and it was not elective. It was after trying to. My gosh, I don't know how many. I mean, I was in the hospital for a day and a half at least, and they were trying to induce labor because my blood pressure was really dangerously high. And it got to the point where the doctor came in and he said, look, you know, your best option right now is to have a C-section or else your baby's going to start to show signs of distress. And of course, when you're a mother or parent, you know, father too, your main goal at the end of this is a healthy baby, healthy mom. You don't really care at that point. You know, yes, some people are so big into having a vaginal delivery that they're like at any cost, but it's not at any, even those people, it's not at any cost. It's not at the cost of your baby. So when your baby starts showing signs of distress, you know, you're going to take your doctor's advice and have a C-section, which is what I did. And, you know, now... But now so here's the issue. So what now, so based on that decision, what have we potentially caused our daughter to now have to live with the rest of her life? Except, I mean, the, the thing of it is, is that we have a healthy daughter right. and not, we're not dealing with, loss of a child because we just sat out and held for having a vaginal delivery. And, you know, there's lots of different things that can go wrong when your body is in distress and the baby isn't, you know, in my case, I just wasn't dilating and, you know, you just have to go with your gut. And yes, there are, (laughs) there are health issues. I don't think I would say that we cause her to have them but there are different health issues that right. but you're saying like- can plague babies who are born with c-sections a lot more frequently than babies who aren't and right. asthma is one of those things right. which our right. daughter does suffer from so that was one of the right so the point yes is that, so right now there's we don't know we we have found a relationship there's a link there's a correlation there definitely we don't know if it's a causality kind of yes but there definitely has been a lot of research and i did a lot of research after she was born into different things about this and yes there is definitely a correlation between having a vaginal birth and having a more immune healthy baby and then having a cesarean birth interesting 
So I think they're still exploring that. But, I, you know, I think the main takeaway from that story for me is they're trying to dissuade people who just want to say, I want to have a C-section because I want to know the date that I'm going to go to the hospital, have my baby. I want to plan it. So, you know, a lot of celebrities and even, you know, more affluent people, they just want to go in whenever they want to and have a baby. And, you know, they call that like a designer birth. And, you know, no, you shouldn't do that. That's not, there are risks to your baby by having a C-section. Now, like in our case where it's an emergent situation, you can't help that. You know, you really can't. That's the point. Yes, that's the point. They just, they're trying to dissuade people from having elective C-sections. There we go. Talking about elective C-sections, did you know there's a Dutch firm is going to 3D print a <laughs> Wow, what a, what a segue there. <laughs> did you like that one? Um, is going to what a segue. 3D print a bridge in Amsterdam. So I think that's pretty awesome. I mean, you can 3D print 3D. a car chassis. Why not? We saw a 3D printed car. The interesting thing now, is- as a um, as a former, as a former, uh, you know, and I'm, why am I having such a brain fart today? You know where you did the um, yes, yes, civil engineer core where you dealt with infrastructure, roads, that sort of thing. How much cheaper is this versus? Going the way of asphalt and so the biggest building, the biggest cost wood and all that kind of steel beams, that kind of stuff is labor. Yes, labor is the biggest cost of any construction. I mean, of anything really. I mean, labor is usually the biggest cost yes. of of any effort of any kind of magnitude. I mean, this certainly seems so, like it would be a lot safer for many sure. workers involved. Well, so the, for the people that the people that are just listening to this. The idea is you, you think, okay, 3D print a bridge means like I have my factory, I print out parts, and I ship them to the construction site. No, 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 no. What they're actually trying to do is they're actually combining 3D printers with robots so that literally the as it is building the bridge on site so it, and it moves itself along mm-hmm. to build the bridge as it goes. So the idea is so they're not, not just printing parts and then machine, assembling right. them. It's it's actually let the robot 3D printer print as it moves along. And what do you think about that? Is that feasible? I, I mean... I mean, why not, you know? The issue is going to be, like, so the material. And so what's the cost of that? Right. I mean, is that really going to end up being cheaper well, than just cheaper, going the right. traditional route? Yes, it will definitely be cheaper because think about it. And you know this is and granted this picture. What about the cost of assembling the the robots? What about assembling the robots? It's a one-time cost. Okay, that's true. Then if I never have to buy pay labor again, if I don't ever have to, I mean, then here's the ethical thing of okay, that means more blue-collar jobs are now going to go give way to robots. But maybe our taxes Uh, won't go up as much because but again the uh, cost of infrastructure won't be as high. If it costs, I mean, you look out here, look out here today. Just they're outside of our community, uh, in the main road. They're they're redoing the resurfacing the asphalt. <laughs> and look the road many, wasn't that bad to begin with. Issue, look how many dump trucks with me. Oh my goodness! Look how many guys are out there. That yes, is your cost. The asphalt is cheap compared to yes. So from a from the the, the design from the perspective of does it make sense from a project management 
Yes. Does it suck for jobs, blue collar jobs? Yes. Does it, is the technology sound enough where it can build a bridge? Yes. My question that I don't know is what type of materials are they going to propose to use? And me not being a material scientist is the question is, can you, yeah, there are, obviously there are materials that are strong enough to build bridges because we already build bridges. My question is, can you take that material and make it something that you can 3D print? Hmm. That I don't know. Certainly, there is different. Types I mean, that of 3D the answer that to that metals. question must be yes. There are materials that do that, or else they would not have proposed. Right. So there, this. there are con- yes, you can three D print. What about concrete. a stone or something? You know, some sort you, of a. Well, there's there's the there are maker bodies doing these hybrid um, materials. Like no, I mean, and what about you were talking line. about the liquid three D printing that right. kind of thing? Is that something they could look at using? For this, where a liquid would harden up like an asphalt type like the photolithography base. version. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, yeah, it's again, when it comes to like anything with engineering, it's really, you're only limited by your imagination and the laws of physics. Um, it, uh, to me, um, so, it says they're they're going to be cutting the bridge right, so out of steel, the, creating the bridge, the bridge out of steel. steel, heating up the raw material. So they are going to heat it up to yeah. It was sturdy and protected against the elements. So to me, though, when I read that, it's like, um, let me see. Let me read the whole thing. So here's but you can't have a road made our, of steel, correct? From traditional three D printing methods is that we work with according to the principle, the printing outside the box principle. By printing with a six-axis industrial robot, we are no longer limited to a square box in which everything happens. Printing a functional life-size bridge is, of course, the ideal way to showcase the endless possibilities. So basically what they're saying is we have, in typical 3D printing, we have a volume, and we print within that volume. By making it a six-point robot that can move, like kind of think your six-point of freedoms of rotation of your arms, it's not limited to printing in a box. It can print anywhere. Um, and then the, 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 the discussion on the material stuff is vague. It's the robots will create the bridge out of steel, heating up the raw material to 2,700 degrees Fahrenheit before welding the structure into place. So to me, welding only works when you have two solid materials. So if I'm heating it very up, is it, to me, I don't know if that's the point where, where steel becomes um, not liquid, but kind of pliable. Like more pliable. So does that mean they're going to print it when it's that, Extruding it? Yeah, and, that's what that's what it sounds like know. to There's me. There's not enough detail. And um, then it sounds like it's going to cool and harden. Right, and then before they weld it together. So to me, it's like, yeah, we're going to heat the material up, extrude it somehow to print something, and then we're going to do it in segments, and then we're going to come back and weld in between these segments that we print. Maybe. I don't... I mean, it sounds possible. It's doable. It's possible. I'll be curious to see. I think it'll be a long time before we see anything like that in the U.S. Well, the US Europe is certainly a lot more progressive when it comes to technology, I think. Yeah. Don't you? The U.S. is very slow to adopt. Especially the um, Scandinavian countries. They seem to be very progressive when it comes to technology. Well, and so here's the, it, now, why is that? Well, in my opinion, because they have a very... Uh, socialists, economic... So here's the thing. In the U.S., if we kill blue collar jobs, people now have to go on, you know, welfare, job training, re education. Yeah. Learn new skills. But in America, we don't, we're not, we're very anti that. Whereas 
in in well, Europe, there's a very no. Hold on, they have a very very strong social security net. If you lose your job, that doesn't mean that you potentially lose your house. I mean, because and the flip side is they pay a lot of money in taxes up front. Yes. Right? So the the issue is because they pay so much in taxes that by losing a job doesn't affect their livelihood as much as it does here in the U.S. Because in the do U.S. They do we a lot of paying lower taxes and more freedom. Do they do a lot of job training and things like that for those people who lose a job to get them back yes, into the market? Because they pay more taxes. Over I there. mean, There's yes, I know they create a safety net for money. them when they lose their job, but how long does that safety net last? What I understand, a lot longer than does here in the U.S. Yes. Hmm. I mean, there's some countries that just give you. There's like there's a lot of countries in Europe that have what's called a, um, I want to say it's like a a minimum salary where they pay every citizen a certain amount of money every year. Hmm. You have a, that 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 there's a minimum amount of money that you get from the government every year that makes sure that you can pay at least your basic do, necessities. Does um, then your job pays you above? Basic I was going to say, does there do their jobs and the pay scale, do they reflect the cost of the higher taxes? Like, do people get paid more no. over there, and that's why they can pay those higher taxes? Do they pay? No, I mean, I think, so the issue, right, no, I think the take-home pay is They less, just but then pay they higher taxes. They pay higher taxes, but then they don't have to sit there and worry about will the health care go away. The issue is, they prefer to have things certain. They want to know that their health care is there no matter if they have a job or not. Have yes. A job. America has a very much every man for themselves, fly by the seat of your pants. Hey, you got a job, you got health care. Well, America is very much the land of opportunity. You. you know, it's like what you make of it kind of right. deal. You know, we're sort of like, you know, every man for himself who wants to pull himself up right. by his bootstraps wow. have, kind of thing. We have thing. gone so far off the on this one. So yes, the point is there's <laughs> I was just curious coming to Amsterdam. No, I was curious because it seems like a lot Why of the more progressive this? tech stories do come out of the Scandinavian and not just Europe in particular, but particularly the Scandinavian countries like Norway, Sweden, right. uh, the Netherlands, you know, those kind of countries. Well, there you go. We'll see if they have a 3d printed. Well, bridge. thank you. Yes. Thank you for your, uh, Yes. Last story. Here's the story that you that think I is complete bunk. Not want to do <laughs> the stories against my as a as a as a man of science. Uh, completely. But see, that's why I wanted to do it because I want to talk about right. what so, their claim of right. science so is let's, behind. Let's read this. the headline. Let's read the headline. Yes. And, and people will go, yeah, Mike. I They're agree. gonna say that's right. Yeah. This app claims it can detect cancer by the sound of your voice. Yes. So, and would it? And now, do I think the app can do that? No, absolutely not. All right. So, there's this group. They're called. They're making an app called Kijini. K i j i n i. Key. Key is the uh, Oriental word meaning chi, life energy. Chi, life energy. And Ginny is the wizard who performed miracles. miracles. <laughs> that wow, in itself that should be like prove it for you. <laughs> so, to me, they're trying. They're trying to. They're trying to use like it's kind of like um. Or guilt by association. They're trying to use two two scientific principles that have one word in common, and therefore trying to go all the way to some sort of logical conclusion that makes no sense to me whatsoever. So the idea is that 
your voice, our voices are made of a frequency, of different yes. frequencies, right? When you combine all those frequencies, you get your voice. Yes. You operate at different frequencies. And there's, I think what they're, the science being, uh, you know, what I, well, I say science in quotation science marks. In quotation marks. What they're trying to say is that when you have different afflictions or illnesses it or whatever, it affects the frequency and tonation of your voice. Well, and that's, you know, even that's so, a little bit maybe believable. That Well, that's what I was going to say. That is a little believable. Because, like, I could get, like, because think about, like, with... Um, but how can you detect... If you're stressed, you have to detect stress in your voice, How right? can I detect... See, what, what my question is with this app is that, say, somebody buys this app and they already have cancer. Right. So What's the baseline? What, yeah, exactly. What is the baseline? How did it, How do I know what this person's voice sounded like before they had cancer? So how can they compare right. the two? If you know, that's what I'm wondering. Is like how how can they just take the frequency of some random person's voice and say you have cancer when they have nothing to compare the frequency to? previously right uh, i mean so here's here's where like but start- it, to me it is somewhat you know maybe there's a possibility there if there was a baseline to compare it to but i'm not so sure it could get as specific as cancer but you could maybe say something is wrong right. with them Right. I mean, you I, know, there's, there's, maybe there's some affliction going on. You just don't know whether it's cancer or an right. ear infection. I, you know? I think I think they're probably, here's what here. Let me let me just let me go with my rope. Yes, go with your hand. Okay. We say that people can detect. You know, I can detect that you're nervous or you're upset by your how you sound on the on the phone, right? Yes. Even if I'm looking at you, I can kind of tell. Okay, she's stressed. I can hear. I hear something in her voice. So, because you think that or you know that. You know, therefore they 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 link. That's how they start the article. They say, "Okay, you believe that you know that." Then they start talking about frequencies, and then they say, "Well, light's a frequency too." That and I'm going to quote here: "Everything in this world, including animals and humans, operate on various frequencies. We see colors because our eyes can identify the particular light waves. Again, frequency the, the wavelength corresponds to different colors. Cool, got that. I agree with that. And then our ears can detect sound waves of certain frequencies." Mm-hmm. Got it. Cool. Yep. Because hearing does work on that. Then they're like, okay, you know that scientific fact. Let's go on to quantum physics, which is like, <laughs> and let me say, this is all theoretical. Like, yes, this is the leading string theory is one of the leading ideas possible of how our universe really works at the subatomic and, and smaller level, but it has not proven beyond like a shadow of a doubt. It is a theory. String theory is one theory that there is these tiny, tiny little strings of energy that vibrate at different frequencies and that the different frequencies makes the different types of matter, different mm-hmm. atoms. That's a theory. We don't, we don't know for sure if string theory is right. Yes. But they're assuming that it is. And they, so quote, according to quantum physics, all matter in the universe vibrates at different frequencies. So they should say according to one theory, according to string of theory quant- of yes. quantum physics, the universe, um, 
They should not, say one right. theory is that all matter. Atoms, yes. the human body. Therefore, through biochemical reactions, the body tries to maintain these frequencies at levels necessary for optimal energy and wellness. When we get sick or depressed or accumulate environmental toxins, these frequencies change. Tumor cancers vibrate at different frequencies than benign cells. Infected tissue gives off a different and see, vibe. I could, than uh, yeah, I'm not cool with the vibe wording. This is where it I'm not cool with the vibe wording. I will. I'm like I'm okay. Okay, when they're talking about the frequencies and things, but when they're going on gives off a different well, vibe. Right. Well, it's sort of so like, like mm, but right. Yeah. Here's where to me makes no sense. Okay, so if I'm getting, say I have lung, I, let's say lung cancer. Let's say I have um, skin cancer, right? Yes. And so let's assume that for yes, skin cancer makes my skin cells to vibrate different frequencies, right? How would that affect my voice? How does my skin cancer? Well, it depends on what kind of skin cancer. I mean, if it's melanoma, that absolutely affects your immune system. Uh, I get it, but this just, this to me is like. No, I mean, it just depends on the type of skin cancer you're talking about. If A, then. Uh, No, I mean, I would agree. I think it is a huge leap for them to say. This app can detect cancer by the sound of your voice. I agree. Do I think that when our body is stressed, not just, not just, not just mentally stressed, but physically where something in our body is off and there's some sort of illness or something like that? Yes, I think that there, there is a potential there that our voice probably exhibits a different frequency. However, I don't know for sure how they could determine what you have when they have no baseline for that. And I did just want to share, I found a story when I was sort of researching this because, you know, I was like you when I first read, I was like, oh, this is bunk, you know, but apparently it's, you know, it's vocal diagnostics and bioacoustics is the um, branches of science that they're sort of, you know, that this sort of delves into. And there are ways that they can determine certain things from your voice. And one of those is like the, the severe, like people who have Parkinson's disease, they can listen to their voice and determine the severity of it because of how the body breaks down and, and it does affect the frequency of your voice. There are, okay, there's this guy, Guillermo. Who is saying this? Um, what what university is he from? What what research company is he from? I th- well, the one university that was doing the Parkinson, I think, was Cornell. All right, well, that, I think that makes a difference too. It's like it, all right, this guy is a computer scientist at IBM. So, a computer scientist at IBM. Yes, he's not a, but he's, he's well, he works with. Uh, he works with. In this case, it's psychiatrists, right? Psychiatrists. And. What they can do is cancer research. (laughs) No, no, this isn't about cancer. This isn't about cancer. That's what I was saying. That part of it, how they can determine whether you have cancer or not, how they can determine what specific 
affliction that you have. I'm not quite sure I buy into that yet, especially when they don't have a baseline to compare it to. But like they're saying, they work with psychologists for kids that have ADHD. They have different frequencies in their voice because of how their body reacts to things. So they can determine whether the kid has ADHD or not. This There's doctors that can determine what drugs you are on based on the uh what 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 did they say it it was a specific um some the semantic distance between words that you use they use that to determine things that you've used to alter your mind because the way that you say things changes okay. that's not a illness per se you know of course you want to go out and use crack that's not an illness but they can determine this person is on some sort of substance based on the way that you are phrasing your sentences or things like that and you know there i think there's potential for research in this i just don't think they're i do i just don't think they're you know i don't think they're at the point where they can say you, I know you've got cancer by the sound of your voice. No, I don't think that at all. Nor do I think they're at the point where they say you've got an ear infection by the sound of your voice. I don't even think they're there. Uh, let me just read what more this company is saying. Okay, Kajini takes the processes out of research labs and makes it easy to use. When you record your voice onto your smartphone, Kajini will analyze the vibes and search a database to match your frequencies. The company's initial release will include six apps, personality, nutrition, muscles, energy, neuro diet, detox. The personality app will be able to tell you your strengths, weakness, and interests. Really. <laughs> By listening to my voice, you're going to tell what my interests and my strengths and weaknesses are. Yeah, I, just, I think, I think so that this, bunk. I think that there is a little potential to use the frequency of your voice, maybe to tell some medical things down the road, yeah. not cancer. Maybe not even ear infections, but like I said, you know, the story where the doctors were using it to confirm ADHD in kids. I mean, that's not bunk. And where the there are people using it to determine severity of Parkinson's disease, that's not bunk. I, I this is this this I'm not gonna this say all. perhaps is bunk. This perhaps is Ginny Kajini. I do think this company is capitalizing on the growing number of people who are looking for alternative medicine, you know, in this society. Right. Don't trust I do think that. that have been trained. Right. Obviously, yeah, I just, it, it seems like it's praying. Except, so you know, things. I mean, as somebody who because, has suffered from Lyme disease for a long time and dealing with a center for disease control that says Lyme disease can be cured with three weeks of antibiotics. We don't acknowledge chronic Lyme disease. I'm somebody who is actually not on board with traditional medicine all the time because yes, there are alternative therapy. Now, do I trust medical doctors to do those alternative therapies, yes. I'm not just going to go to some quack, fly-by-night guy, you know, who says this, that, and the other. But I don't think you should say a doctor is trained in medicine, therefore they're the know-all, be-all of... I'm not saying that either. 
medical conditions because I think doctors miss a ton of stuff because they are so by the book and no two people are the same and they just go so much by the book sometimes that they overlook things. And it's like, we have this range of what's considered normal on a blood test. If you're at the low end or the high end of that range, Oh, you're fine when in fact you may not be fine because it, for your specific body, maybe your low end of the range is really bad. Right. And I think, and they don't, they don't acknowledge that. They say, well, you're in the normal range, therefore you're fine. And I agree that the science, as we move forward, the science is becoming hyper personalized medicine. Is, yes, yeah, that's what I am looking for. I am looking this. Yes, I agree. Based on my voice, I agree that this is a little bit far-reaching. I've always believed. If it's I too, do. If it's, if it's too. I think it's an true, interesting theory. It it's an interesting theory, but it's a little far-reaching. Yeah. I do agree. It sounds yes. too good to be true. It probably is. Now, if it's a free app, would I download it? To see what they say well, about my is, voice, it yeah, is, it, is a, it is a free. It's yeah, free I'm app. gonna do that. Free on iOS and Android. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna download it and see what they say about my voice, and then maybe get a little good laugh out of it after they tell me I'm not personable and anyway. you know <laughs> have cankers, sores, and everything. But you know, I, I think that. There's, I, I just think there's so much more potential for medical research in alternative therapies that a lot of medical doctors miss because they are just so classically sure. trained by the book that they don't even look into any alternative therapies whatsoever, and that does a disservice right. to people. You're pointing out the the problem is extremes, right? Yes. If you yes, you're purely you're you're following the. the because every research we've done thus far, this has to be it. Even though we know that science all the time evolves in our understanding. Yes. But what we thought was a theory that has worked, we can up tomorrow make a discovery that says makes us revisit what we thought we knew. Because that is how science. Should if work. this book tells me that side, you you know if your if your white blood cell count is you know three thousand and you know at three thousand and one, you're fine, but at 3,000, you have cancer, and your white blood cell count is 3,001. Therefore, you don't have cancer. Right. That's wrong. Two extremes. Because, yes, exactly. You to find happy middle ground. Exactly. Can we wrap it up on that? Sure. Happy middle grounds. I think so. Happy middle, everybody. Let's wrap it up Let's on a it up, it's like, happy place. Wow, we're in a happy place. So, yeah, we've, uh, we've ran kind of long today. Way long. Yeah. So, Steam Power Podcast, episode number 67 for June 13th. 2015. Thank you all. Are you trying to hide the frequency of your voice, by the way? I am trying to screw with something. I don't know. Um, All right. So I'm going to do, sometime this week, I'm going to do Gears of Resistance to catch you back up um, um, timeline-wise with all our our shows. All our stuff. uh, stuff. Um, Is there anything else you want to pass? Nope. I think I'm good. All right. Uh, so as always, you can head over to steampowerpodcast.com to find everything else about this show, gearsofresistance.com for everything else on the open source hardware world. I'm going to do a deep dive on the open source hardware stuff that we saw at Makerspace in that podcast mm-hmm. um, this week. That'll be the plan. Maybe you'll talk about the Arctic thing I saw a little bit. Which was okay, cool. yeah. Um, so with that, thank you all. Awesome, Lee. Let me make sure it's all about Yep. So thank you all very, very much for listening. 
And until next time, stay quirky. And keep it steamy. Later. Bye.